So I have a question. Uh, any of you have a book you just love to read? You even sometimes read it more than once? I see those hands. There will not be a related Oliver call later. Um, well, when I was in college, I actually read these two, well, it's actually not just two books. It's actually two series uh, every year. So this is the first book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Read the trilogy every year. This is the first book in the Narnia books. I read these every year. I still read them about once every five years. Isn't that crazy? Some are tattered, see? Worn out. It's the actual book. Kind of interesting. Um, lots of books that we read. Today we're going to consider the place of a book in the life of the followers of Jesus. The book is the Bible. So I even brought the Bible that I got for my grade 12 graduation. It's right here. And if you can see there, see my name on it? Can you read that? Yeah. Eric, you're squinting a little. I know. Hard to see. Yeah, it says my name right here. My parents gave me this for my high school graduation. It's not the first Bible I owned, but I think it's the first one I ever really read. It's the Living Bible. I got this in the 70s, and the 70s Living Bible is a little bit... Uh, Radical, believe it or not. And there was no dead Bible, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Uh, So today we're kind of answering the question, or trying to talk about the question, why and how should I read the Bible? And that's really important for our faith. It's also related to the Alpha series that we've been in. So just before we go further, I'd like to pause and pray for a moment. Father, we come... Uh, come before you here in an unusual way this morning. We're actually going to look at your scripture, the scripture that you've given us. And uh, we do that every week, but we're going to look at the idea of it and why and how should we read it. And I pray that, uh, that you would help the words that I say to have enough clarity that we would feel, yeah, this is really good. This is a really good thing to do. I pray that. I pray that all of us today in this room would feel a strong sense that reading Scripture, not only good, but it's actually necessary for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start with the question, why read the Bible? And uh, it might be uh, one that seems obvious, the answer seems obvious to you, Um, but I just want to acknowledge a thing called bias. Bias is how we approach stuff, and we all approach life, faith, the Bible, books. Uh, We approach everything with a bias, okay? So this isn't maybe a really good way to talk about this, but uh, I have more than one pair of glasses. So these are my progressive lenses. That means I can see kind of close up and kind of far away. I use these for some things, like for today. These are the good choice for today. These are just reading glasses, okay? So... Now, when I look here, I can read this really well, and you are all a blur. Nothing personal, just a blur. So those are good for some things and not good for other things. And so these are my bifocal glasses. They actually have a line in them, and so the top is totally different than the bottom. I wear these sometimes, usually at meetings, when I really don't want to see people too clearly or too fuzzily. (laughs) That's not true. That wasn't really true. Um, So the point is, we actually all look at things in different ways, and sometimes we have biases that change depending on the context. Like the little sign on the highway that says, 
maximum speed. <laughs> Sometimes we look at that as a, ooh, better be careful. I think I know where those cameras are on Circle Drive. Sometimes we think that way. Sometimes we think, eh, it's just a guideline. <laughs> it's not really that important to me. The reason I am bringing this up is I think it's really important to acknowledge that we approach the Bible with a bias. And so I'm going to reveal my bias to you this morning. And a lot of you will say, oh, that's, that's my bias too. But I just want to acknowledge that there could be people in the room who don't have this bias, this way of looking at the Bible. I just want to acknowledge that. Um, it's part of having good dialogue with lots of different type of people, just to acknowledge this is the way we approach stuff. So I'm also going to use the word we a number of times this morning, and that's because it's not just my bias. I'm actually part of something much bigger. So, for example, I'm part of a whole church, two congregations. We have certain things that we assume when we approach the Bible. I'm part of a conference that's in our province. We have certain things we assume when we approach the Bible. And, of course, our, um, our national conference, the Canadian Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches, we actually have a statement of faith uh, that we talk about that says how we approach the Bible. So I just want to acknowledge that. And uh, so it's not just an, an individual thing. It's bigger than just we as individuals. And in case you wonder why this is important, I know people who study the Bible very carefully and have a totally different bias than I do, different approach. For example, there are people who study the Bible very carefully and don't believe that it's true. That would be an example of a bias, right? So, some of the things about our bias, first of all, it's bigger than just one of us. Second, the Bible actually came to us over a number of hundred years. And we acknowledge that. It didn't just come, like, like God didn't just say, oh, by the way, here is the NIV Bible. You can have that. This one's NIV. Uh, that, that's not how it worked. Um, so how did it work? Well, um, so this is part of the bias again, but we believe that God gave to us today the right kind of scripture and the right amount of scripture and the right content of scripture that we need. And that's actually pretty amazing considering the scripture came to us over many years and through many different writers and through many different translators and even groups of people who sat down and said, which, which of these writings should be in the Bible and which shouldn't? Lots of that happened. Yet we still believe that what we have in our hands as scripture today, we believe that that's actually reliable scripture that came from God. And because of that, we also believe we, again, collective we, not necessarily everybody in the room, but we believe that the Bible, the scripture, is authoritative for our lives. We believe that we can actually trust it to have authority in our lives. Now, I'm already going into areas where I think there are probably people in the room who are saying, yeah, you know, I I think that's true, but I'm not exactly sure. Because I'm not exactly sure about the whole Bible. I'm just stating that as a bias that we have, that this actually is reliable and is authoritative. Um, And I want to admit that even though there's a lot of tradition that gave us this, 
Tradition, like people who got together at councils and tried to decide which are the right books for this, that's tradition. We believe that there's tradition here, but we, but we also believe that God works through tradition. We are Anabaptists. That's our tradition. We believe that God works through the Anabaptist tradition. Um, we even have traditions in our own congregation. The typical version of the Bible, the translation of the Bible that's used in this room, typically on Sundays, is the New Living Translation, NLT. Did anybody know that? Yeah, so I'm going to use a few different versions this morning. But that's a bias. That's a way of looking at the Bible that we have said, we're going to just kind of go there. And that, a lot of that has to do with Bruce and his approach to preaching. And we've said, okay, we're going to, we're going to do that. Um, so this is a statement that's going to be on the screen. And I just want to, to make sure that this is clear to everybody as far as the bias goes, as far as the perspective goes. Belief about scriptural authority is rooted in faith that God the Holy Spirit has worked through history, tradition, the writers, to preserve exactly what we need as the Bible that I hold in my hand today. I don't know if I could say that more passionately. Uh, Mostly, I kind of tend to work from the brain more than the passion. But I could try. This is the reliable scripture. (laughs) That's so not me. But can you get the picture? And I just want to acknowledge that not everybody thinks that. It's the starting point. The Bible is the clearest message from God that we have. We believe that although God the Holy Spirit can speak to individuals individually, so when somebody says, I feel God telling me, or I sense God in my spirit saying, we believe that. But really, we believe that the most reliable way of hearing God speak is here. So this is, again, trying to answer the question, why read the Bible? That's it. But I want to say that this still remains a matter of faith. The fact that we approach this as authoritative, reliable, trustworthy, that this is Scripture, it still remains a matter of faith. And for me, it's really important to acknowledge that. Because I have friends who don't believe that. And it'd be, it would be in some ways easy for me to say, well, I'm right and you're wrong, just in case you wondered. I find that doesn't work very well. Rather to say, uh, according to uh, many, many people over many, many centuries, I identify with a bias with the view that this is God's word, this is scripture. Uh, and that's a really important place to start, especially if you're having conversations with people who don't believe that this is a scripture. I believe this entire book points to Jesus from start to finish. It talks about God's redemptive plan, which is found in Jesus. The Bible is a book of gospel. That's good news. Relationship between God and humankind. That's in the Bible. And the central person of this relationship is Jesus. Jesus showed us an example of this when the devil tried to tempt him, and he actually used words straight from Scripture to respond to the devil. That would indicate to me that it's very, it was very important to Jesus too. Because of all these things, we believe that the Bible is the best way to know Jesus. So, if you're someone here this morning and you're wondering, hmm, I don't know if I actually believe all that about this book, I want to invite you to join us. 
to embrace by faith that this is actually what God wants us to know and to have. I invite you to do that. So if you assume those things that I've said, so if you come with a bias, then you can start looking at the Bible itself to say, what does the Bible itself say about itself? Uh, I don't think that's the best place to start because you have to agree that you believe it. It's true. But I want to talk a few, about a few places in the Bible where it talks about itself. The first one is in 1 Timothy three sixteen and 17. This is writing the Apostle Paul, writing to, the, to Timothy. He says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I don't know if you're like me or not, but when I read stuff like that, I think, hmm, I wonder what Paul meant when he said all scripture. My bias is that he's actually talking about the Bible. Was that what Paul was thinking? Well, I'm going to say probably not, because parts of the Bible weren't even written then. There's another example where we say by faith, when the Apostle Paul says all scripture, he's actually talking about what God has given us, what we have. So I do believe that the Apostle Paul's writing where he says all scripture, I do believe that that's about actually the scripture that we have today. Another verse that's interesting to me is from Isaiah 40 and also quoted in First uh, Peter 1. It says this, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Again, my question is, was Isaiah referring to this? Well, I don't think so. Most of this didn't even exist when Isaiah wrote these words. But can we believe by faith that even though Isaiah didn't get that, that actually we can take Isaiah's words, the promise of God, and say, yeah, that's actually in here. When he says the word of our God shall stand forever, he's talking about the promise of God, and that's in here. Scripture challenges us to grow. We looked at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 a few weeks ago, where it says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old has gone. The new is here. To become a new creation, to become a person who follows Jesus and grows in life and relationship with Jesus, it's actually necessary to be involved in this. This is the best way to do that. Uh, Another passage that we see in Ephesians 6 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that truth, righteousness, gospel, good news, faith, salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, all of these are here. They're all found in scripture. A few other reasons. Scripture helps us resist temptation, and we saw how Jesus responded to temptation. Scripture gives us a stand, standard to hold up against teaching that we hear. Especially when we think, hmm, I wonder if that teaching is actually consistent with the Bible. We actually have this. You're probably already starting to feel like, wow, we better know this then. 
Scripture brings comfort and peace. The Bible can help us see what God wants for us, God's will for our lives. Maybe not specifically like which house should I buy or what shoes should I wear today. Maybe not that. But big things. How should I follow God? What are some good tests for how I should follow God in my life? Uh, We see that in Scripture. The Bible can help us see God's will for our lives. In fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, he says, this, your word is a lamp for my feet, my feet and a light for my path. Reading the Bible is the best way to understand God's character. And one of the most important things about faith is growing into character that is like God. Again, I invite you to consider the place of scripture in your life if it's not there in ways I've been talking about this morning. So the second question, how? How to read the Bible? Um, I think we might see a picture up there in a second. Yeah. Okay, this is very, very little to do with my talk. It's just kind of a momentary distraction. But back in the 60s, there was an ad for Palm Olive. And it's Mad, is it Madge? Yeah, Madge is doing the manicure thing, and she's telling her how terrible that water, that soap detergent is for her fingers. And then Madge says, yeah, that's really bad. She says, but palm olive is good. And then she says, you're soaking in it. And, of course, she rips her fingers out of there, but she's soaking in it. Okay, how does that relate? Very, very, very little. <laughs> <laughs> But good for a slight moment of humor. (laughs) Um, This idea that scripture, that we need to somehow find ways to soak in scripture. It's a little bit different than just reading it. Soaking in scripture is a little bit more like that, like becoming much more immersed in scripture. So I'm going to suggest there are two ways that we can read. The question is, how do we read the Bible? Two really important ways. The first is reading in community. Uh, We believe it's necessary to read scripture when we gather, like this, this morning. And one of the first things that happened this morning was actually the reading of scripture. Before print, uh, about 500 years ago, the most important and only way for most people to understand and to hear scripture was actually in the gathered community of faith. That's the only place they heard it. People didn't have Bibles before the printing press was invented. People didn't have books they could take home with them. So gathering was so important, not just to see your friends, uh, not just to hear sermons with the odd humor in them. But to hear scripture. The Bible says this in Romans 10. So... Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. I think it's really important that we do more than just read the Bible, but that we actually hear the Bible. This is a big principle in Scripture, and that's why we do it together in community. In our time, because we have the blessing of all of us having Scripture in a book, on a phone, a smart product of some type, on CDs, we can listen to our car. Because we have that amazing blessing, 
there's actually a downside to that, and that is we don't need to be in community of faith as much to hear Scripture. And I'm going to suggest to you that it doesn't excuse that. It actually is something we've lost. It's a, it's a huge loss uh, that the printing press did for us. It took away the necessity of gathering. And so I'm going to suggest that actually it's really important that we gather because we don't just read it by ourselves. We actually need to read it and hear it in community. Ancient people wrote on scrolls, and there were a few scrolls around. Only a few select people could read them, and the rest of the people had to listen. Today, we have both Bibles over the last five centuries. In the last five decades, increasingly, the way that people read is by screens. Whether it's the ones behind me or ones like this. These are all technologies. They're all ways of engaging with print. And so for some of us who grew up with books as being the only way, sometimes it's a challenge to say, you mean you can read something off of a screen and it's okay? That would be as radical as saying for somebody who was just alive around the time of the printing press, you mean you can actually print the Bible on a book and take it home? Kind of similar to that. So we have lots of ways of reading the Bible by ourselves. I'm suggesting to you that we need to read the Bible in community. It's really important. So that's the one way. Second way is reading personally, personal reading. In Psalm 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, in, in the gym world or the exercise world, there's a saying that I think is really important, and that is the best exercise program is the one you do. Like, there are a lot of them that you don't do, and they're really not that good for you. Well, I'm going to suggest the best Bible reading program is the one you do. And that's different for everyone. How many people have felt guilty when somebody stands in front of the group and says, I get up at 5 in the morning and I read the Bible for an hour every morning, and it's just such an amazing thing for me? How many have felt guilty when you heard that? Lots of hands in the room. Yeah. That's really too bad. I'm here to proclaim to you that it is not a spiritual thing to wake up early in the morning. Yesterday morning, yesterday morning I woke up at 3, and I could not sleep. I would have loved to be able to sleep. It is not a spiritual thing. What's important is that you and I, as followers of Jesus, read the Bible. When isn't actually the most important thing. So I just want to remove that guilt right now. Finding a way is kind of like that exercise program you do. Find a way to read the Bible that you do. Um, and it's really important that we read the whole Bible. I think it's tempting to maybe just read part of it. Maybe the parts you like, your favorite parts. My wife and I um, use a, a lectionary. And a lectionary is just a way to read the Bible. There's a number of them around. This one is uh, a daily lectionary. It's called Seeking God's Face. And every day of the year, there's something in, there's two scripture passages and uh, some suggestions for how to pray that day. So Rebecca and I read this just about every day. There are other ways. Uh, Again, I would suggest if there's a way that works, that you find a way that works, do that. Um, Don't feel guilty that my wife and I do this one, but find a way that works for you. If you've never read the Bible before, maybe don't start at Genesis. Maybe start in the Gospels. Maybe start in the Gospel of John. John's a really good kind of a summary of a lot of what's in the Bible. 
Um, I always test inclinations that you have or even a sense of God's leading against Scripture. Discerned individually and discerned in community. Invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate Scripture. That's one of the words that's in the Bible is that the Holy Spirit brings Scripture to light, illuminates. Um, We ask that all the time. And part of the reason we ask it is because we acknowledge that we all come to Scripture with biases. And some of them we need to set aside in order to see what God wants us to see. And I would suggest reading different versions of the Bible. Um, This is NIV. It's the one I use for staff chapel. Um, I already told you this is living. This is actually my most recent Bible. I got it this week, given to me. It's a NIV note-taker's Bible. Why do you think it's a note-taker's Bible? I think it has extra margin space, so you can write comments in there. I don't know. Lots of different versions of the Bible. Good to read them all. Um, I just want to mention something that I think is really important about this, and it has a little bit to do with bias, and, uh, and I guess I'm acknowledging another thing. Some people read Scripture, and it just ignites great passion in them. Uh, in fact, I talked with someone this morning who has a Bible, and it says it's the passion version of the Bible. I don't think that means like the passion, the movie, does it? No, it's like heart passion. Am I right, Val? Yeah. It was Val. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not really. <laughs> For some people, uh, passion about Scripture is so important. And we read this in the Psalms, actually, where the psalmist says, you're, uh, I love your law. It tastes good to me. I just can't get enough of it. And I think that's really, really good. I think there are probably lots of people here this morning who say, yeah, that's me. I just, I love Scripture. I love the Bible. I just love that. And, I, and, and you're listening to me talk, and you're thinking, oh, I don't hear enough love there. That's because there are other ways of approaching Scripture, like we see with the Apostle Paul, where he says, all Scripture is, and then he doesn't say is, love and good and tastes good. He doesn't say that. He actually uses cerebral words like profitable, doctrine, teaching, instruction, reproof. He goes through all these kinds of words. And you think, well, that doesn't sound very passionate about the scripture. I want to acknowledge that probably at least those two are common in this room. Uh, I tend to be more cerebral. And so when I hear those verses that are more cerebral, I feel like, oh, I can relate to that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm, that, that, I mean, it doesn't quite get me passionate, but it gets me something, right? And others who say, oh, I love those parts of the Bible that really trigger my passion and really touch my heart. Um, I think both are really important. And so if you're here today and you're, you tend to be cerebral, explore the passion side of Scripture. See what God wants to say to you that can ignite fire in your heart. And if you're somebody here who's got fire in your heart all the time, I envy you a little. Uh, if you do, maybe sometimes say, God, what do you want to do to my mind here today? In Romans 12, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, renewing the mind and how important it is that we have renewed minds. I think we do that by involving ourselves in Scripture. 
by soaking in Scripture. Um, so we live in changing times. Nowadays, lots of people would say, yeah, the Bible is just a book. It's interesting. I don't really believe it. My question is, how can we allow Scripture to be part of our lives more intentionally, personally, community, heart, mind? How can we do that? And I invite you to consider that question in your own life. How can Scripture become more part of your life? Last week we talked about this at our Broadway congregation. And at Broadway we hand around a microphone. So I could do that right now, but we might be here a while. So I won't. Uh, But ask somebody else, how do you read Scripture? How's that alive and vital in your life? Ask them. I want to read this passage from Psalm 19 as a, In conclusion, the psalmist writing about, I think, about Scripture. He says, The instructions of the Lord, Yahweh, are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of Yahweh are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of Yahweh are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of Yahweh are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for Yahweh is pure, lasting forever. The laws of Yahweh are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. I actually think we hear heart and mind in this passage. So, uh, so you can hear Scripture... I'm going to read it again, and it's not going to be on the screen. You can close your eyes. Uh, If you're looking in your Bible, close it. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. The instructions of the Lord, Yahweh, are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of Yahweh are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of Yahweh are right, bringing joy to the heart. Commands of Yahweh are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for Yahweh is pure, lasting forever. The laws of Yahweh are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. We're going to spend some time responding to, um, to Scripture. We're going to celebrate communion together. Um, I invite you to engage. To engage in Scripture this morning. That we do that together as a community of faith gathered, and we also do that as individuals.